0: You know, I think as wrestling fans, we're just all inherently a little cynical. We're all just waiting to see who's working me here, brother. Uh, But I'm telling you, man, in my real life, I really am Conrad, the mortgage guy. I really do love helping our listeners save money and get out of debt faster and really achieve their financial goals, not just short-term, but long-term. And listen, these days in America, there's like two types of folks, right? Families who have a little extra month at the end of the money. And then, of course, there's the folks who are doing okay right now, but man, I sure do wish they could get to their long-term goals of retirement or being debt-free a lot faster. No matter what your situation is, we can help at SaveWithConrad.com. See what Roger said here in Bartlett, Tennessee. He left us a five-star review and it read, always the skeptic. I'm not prone to do things on a whim or just because I heard it on a wrestling podcast, but the more I learned about First Family Mortgage, The more I saw on social media about the incredible results combined with our stagnant, but still growing credit card debt, I knew I had to do something. Derek answered all of our questions and calmed our fears. We had some work to do on our end, but once done, it was the smoothest stress-free process I could imagine. Now I can afford adfreeshows.com. Hey, shout out to you, Roger. And we're going to hook you up with a free subscription to adfreeshows.com. I greatly appreciate your business and certainly your five-star review. But man, listen, if you're like Roger, I get it. I'm not doing this. This is my house. I'm not going to put that in the hands of the podcast guy. I like his podcast, but I'm not letting him touch my house. I get it, man. But what if I can help? Let's just run the numbers. Find out right now for free how much you can save at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. If you've got credit card debt, hurry to Conrad.com.
1: You know, Mother's Day is right around the corner. And moms are the most special people in the world. My mom means everything to me. But you can't exactly get your mom a gold medal for Mother's Day. But you know what you can get her? A gold dip rose from Steven Singer Jewelers. The gold dip rose from Steven Singer Jewelers is the perfect gift. These are beautiful. They last forever and come with a lifetime warranty. It doesn't need water and never dies. They have a lot of different types too. You might go with a rose gold dip rose. How about a platinum dip rose? So many choices. And it even comes with a personalized gift message. You can write a message like, Hi mom, thanks for watching me win a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Love, Kurt. Okay, maybe not that, but you get the idea. You've heard about them for years, right? I hate Steven Singer ads, billboards. I hate stevensinger.com. Let me tell you more about them. Steven Singer jewelers are real jewelers selling real jewelry and yes, real roses. They have a real brick and mortar store in Philadelphia and they do everything through that store. So when you call them, you're speaking to someone at their store in Philly, not at a call center. I like dealing with Steven Singer jewelers because there are no gimmicks. They have the perfect prize every day. There aren't any sales, codes, discounts. Basically, there's no BS. It's true. No, really. I'm not just saying my catchphrase here. It's actually true. You will be happy you bought from Steven Singer Jewelers. They've got top value and quality. They treat their customers great. They're upfront people. Visit IHateStevenSinger.com or just go to Google and type in Steven Singer. Spell just like it sounds. Give your wife, girlfriend, mother, daughter, grandma, or anyone else in your life a gift that will last forever with Steven Singer Jewelers. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Drop the chips, make physically fit protein snacks part of your daily gold medal routine. They're high in protein made from 100% all-natural real chicken meat and organic plant protein. Air-baked, low in net carbs, and tasted insanely delicious. Grab a bag today and enjoy curbing your hunger with a crispy crunch, an intelligent real food protein snack. Now you and your family can reach the gold with Physically Fit. Now available in 11 great flavors. Visit PhysicallyFit.com. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. This is Kurt Angle and welcome to the Kurt Angle podcast. Today we have a special episode. It's ask Kurt anything. That's what we're going to do today. And I'm going to introduce to you right now, the co-host, the man who exemplifies the three eyes every single day. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. It's Conrad Thompson. How you doing Conrad,
0: man? I'm excited to be here. We get to pick your brain. This is my favorite format. We do this every other week with Arn Anderson, but this is our very first ask Kurt anything. And to my surprise, man, we've got like 12 pages worth of questions. I don't think there's any chance we'll get to them all. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing this show and it seems like we're getting great feedback. What's the feedback you've gotten, Kurt.
1: Everything's been positive. I have uh, you know, looked at tweets and uh, Instagram posts, messages, Uh, Everybody says they love the show, so we're doing something right, I think.
0: Absolutely. We're going to keep doing it. And by the way, we've got the entire year mapped out. You're going to get all these shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. If you haven't already, check it out, including we're going to have a very special live event coming up where you get to actually be on a Zoom with Kurt Angle and pick his brain. So not just send a tweet in, but actually talk to him. Coming up next week, though, we're doing Backlash 2001 It's the ultimate submission match versus Chris Benoit. You don't want to miss it. It's coming live to adfreeshows.com. Let's jump into it though. Matt Douglas wants to know Kurt. You wrestled three matches in both 2000 and 2001 King of the ring events, which was the hardest to wrestle multiple times in one night. And is it true that Shane McMahon hits kind of (laughs) hard?
1: Well, Shane can throw some haymakers. Yes. Not all the time, but he can stiff you every once in a while. And he can hit pretty hard, uh, but I would say the 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 toughest Royal Rum or the King of the Ring uh, that I did, where I wrestled three matches in one night, was two thousand because it was my first King of the Ring. I was only in the business for six months, and uh, I had a lot to remember. Three matches in one night. Uh, it was it was extremely exhausting, uh, both mentally and physically. And, uh, but I would say 2001, uh, I wrestled a lot longer matches, especially with Shane. I think we went 32 minutes. So, uh, they were both very difficult to do, but I'd have to say my first, uh, king of the ring was my toughest.
0: Jake Hicks wants to know whose idea was the milk truck.
1: Oh, that was our writer, Brian Gawarts. He came up with great material for me. Uh, it was a spinoff of Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer truck incident where he brought the beer truck in and uh, hosed down Vince McMahon a couple year, years prior. So we since I was doing a program with Austin, Brian came up with the idea of driving a milk truck in and dowsing Stone Cold in the alliance with milk. It was an awesome, uh, just an awesome, um, um, you know, it was an awesome event, just so much fun. I had a blast.
0: Michael Burgett wants to know if there's ever a, if there's ever a movie made of your life, who would you like to play you?
1: Oh, I would say my biggest inspiration is Sylvester Stallone, a young Sylvester Stallone. If I could have that, if I got to choose, but, uh, his movies, Rocky, uh, always inspired me. I think that'd be a great inspirational story.
0: Uh, inhumane. Inhuman Rampager, maybe I said that right. It says, I went to TNA Lockdown in two thousand eight. What went into that match against Samoa Joe?
1: Well, Joe's very physical. Uh, we we had an incredible match that night. That was when I, I believe I ended Joe's undefeated streak, and uh, we put a lot in that match. It was a good, I think, thirty minutes, and we had a lot of false finishes, uh, great submission trade offs. Uh, Joe reminded me a lot of. Uh, Chris Benoit, just a lot bigger and, you know, a little, a little heavier, obviously, but he could move like a cat. He was incredible to work with.
0: Uh, here's one from uh, Grayson Flax. He says, "Kurt, during your most recent WWE run, was there ever any talk about reforming team angle with you, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan?
1: I brought it up and they, they kind of, you know, let it go by the wayside, but I kept reminding them and i think they would eventually did it i think i would have managed both gable and jordan if jordan did get injured uh, when he got injured i think the idea fell through the table and there was no uh there was no other um, you know other wrestler the uh, just managing one wrestler wouldn't be a team so you have to manage at least two of the wrestlers to make it a team and since jason got injured i think that fell by the wayside and it wasn't going to happen i wish it would have though
0: Uh, Curtin Zamora says as someone that came through the attitude era and then came back in the PG era is TV PG as much of a handcuff for the performers as the fans believe it is. If WWE allowed themselves to go to a true TV 14 again, do you think it would help in any way?
1: Well, I think it would help, you know, with some of the adult fans, um, you know, with the kids, the company is a publicly traded company. And the shareholders are very concerned about the, what goes on, the content in the show. So, you know, you have to abide by their rules that they want it to be kid-friendly. So I understand, you know, the Attitude Era. It was so much fun. We took a lot of chances. We took risks. And uh, it paid off. And I think it would today. But, you know, in this day, this era, People are a little more offensive. You know, you can, you can offend people a little easier right now. So I don't think it's ever going to come back. I think that, um, you know, w- the PG era is here to stay.
0: Uh, AC five one three says, where there talks about you winning the undisputed title at vengeance, 2001. Of course we know, uh, Chris Jericho wound up being the guy that night to pin, not only the rock, but Steve Austin, but he wants to know,
1: do you think your name was discussed in that spot? It actually was. I was actually set to win the, the title, um, but uh, Vince McMahon came to me about a week before and said, "Hey, um, I'm not going to put the title on you. I'm going to put it on Jericho because he's red hot right now. He's working his way up. He, you know, he needs this title more than you." And I agreed with Vince. I said, "You're absolutely right. I'd put it on Jericho too if I were you." So uh, there, there was considered for me to win the title. But I think that Vince went with Jericho because Jericho needed more. And Chris was a red hot baby face at the time. And, uh, you know, giving him that title just legitimized him even more. He deserved it. Well, it's that time of the year when lawn care begins and there's nothing that makes home look as beautiful as a healthy lawn. Think about it. How much fun is it to play catch outside on a beautiful, healthy yard? Or maybe a weekend barbecue with friends and family. Or just a picnic with the person you love. A beautiful yard brings all those things together. And nothing ruins that look like having a huge bare patch. Or a giant brown spot of grass. Or, of course, weeds. I may be an Olympic gold medalist, but I'm not a lawn care expert. So what's my secret? It's called Sunday. No, not the day. I'm talking about Sunday Lawn Care. And GetSunday.com. It's incredible. They took a GPS map of my yard and in just a few seconds showed me more about the soil, the grass, and my lawn than I ever knew. Because they are able to analyze my yard down to the blade of grass, they're able to offer custom plans that fit my family's needs. Sunday creates a tailor-made plan so you get everything your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. We're talking about natural ingredients, too. I don't want my kids running around on some hard-to-pronounce crazy substance. With Sunday, they use ingredients you can say, like seaweed, iron, and molasses. I know the product is safe, and that's the top priority for my family. It's super easy. Here's all you have to do. I just went to GetSunday.com, put in my home address, and their free lawn analysis tool took care of the rest. All in just seconds. Sunday explains exactly what you get and why. And everything is waiting at your door when you need it. All I had to do is attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. And my grass looks better than ever. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener and more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com angle to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at getsunday.com angle.
0: Matt from MJ asks a question and his phrasing. I could see why someone would take offense, but I think he's trying to be complimentary. So let's, let's do it. Who's the best in-ring worker you've wrestled that never really made it big. So said differently, maybe who is the most under you ever wrestled?
1: I would say, and I wrestled him late in my career, but I would say Chad Gable. Yeah. I, I think this kid has so much potential. And I know the company started pushing him, then they laid off, and then they pushed him and laid off. But I, I don't know if it has to do with his size, but the guy is amazing. And he, you know, in real life, he could whoop any of those wrestlers' asses. Right. So, you know, he's a real life badass. And, uh, you know, to, to not have him go, to the main event level where he deserves to be is just it blows my mind because he is very talented, great technical wrestler, former Olympian. You can't ask for anything more than that.
0: Do you think, and, and I don't know this, I'm just asking because you've been there. You've been everywhere. Do you think if Chad Gable, and I'm not saying he's asking for this, I think he recently resigned, but if he were to leave WWE and go tear it up in new Japan, Do you think if he came back with a fresh coat of paint that perhaps American fans or even the WWE would see him differently?
1: I think so. I mean, I I wouldn't encourage him to do it. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give anybody that type of advice. I want them to do what they were comfortable with doing, but I think Chad does need a makeover. I think that, uh, him going there and getting more experience and coming back with a different, uh, character or something that, you know, a little bit of a subtle change, I think that would really help him. So I'm not saying he should do it. I'm just saying that it's not bad advice to go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah. It just feels like, uh, whenever a guy wants to sort of recreate himself, he needs to leave, you know, and, and, and the most recent example of that to me is drew McIntyre. I mean, he came in as the chosen one and and then wound up being in three man band and then wound up cut uh became the top guy in TNA, had a hell of a run in the UK, and he came back and now he's at the tippy top of the card. But I don't know if he had if he didn't have that time away if anybody would have had a chance to look at him through uh, a new lens maybe.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there there have been a lot of wrestlers that that try, you know, were starting WLB left and came back hotter than ever. So, you know, it's happened in the past quite a bit. So I, I, you know, I think that that's a, a great idea.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Let's do another question. Uh, this one is from, uh, crankles. I hope I said that right. Uh, hey, Kurt, whether other names pitched or tossed around instead of the stable name, main event mafia, uh, although also whether other names considered joining main event mafia, I always love the name and the members of that group.
1: Well, that group was etched in stone. It wasn't going to change at least the first time we did it. The second time we did it, I think a couple of the guys left the company and we had to fill in some spots, I think with Samoa Joe and somebody else. But the first one, the the main event, that's what it was all about. All of us were main, main events in our careers and we became a mafia, the five of us. So that was never going to change. At least it wasn't supposed to. And, uh, we, we stuck with that as long as we could. And then, you know, it ended up breaking up, I think, due to contract reasons.
0: Uh, Umar Khan says, Kurt, first of all, you're my favorite wrestler of all time. My question today is when you left WWE in 2006, what was on your mind and what did you really want to do?
1: I was burned out. I, you know, working 300 days a year getting injured all the time. My neck was a pain in the ass. I broke it four times in like uh, three and a half years. So uh, I had to get away. I was having a painkiller issue. Uh, I had to take a break. I did for a few months and I decided to uh, work in TNA because the money was great and it was a reduced schedule and I did what was best for my health. So I, I left the WLB. Unfortunately, Uh, I didn't want to leave, but I knew it was the right move for me. And, uh, I'm glad I did. TNA was a great option and I had a lot of fun in that company and Dixie Carter. was really good to me.
0: I think Dixie Carter doesn't necessarily get the, uh, appreciation she deserves. I feel like for whatever reason, so much of TNA is just looked at as, oh, LOL TNA, but Dixie Carter really didn't have to do. She didn't have to get in the wrestling business. This wasn't necessary for her or her family, but she felt strongly about it. She invested her and her family's money uh, and spent a lot of time, effort, energy, cash. And there are a lot of guys who got a lot of opportunities. And I don't know that Dixie Carter necessarily gets the credit she's due. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes, I I thought she was a great boss. I, I had no problems with her. You know, sometimes, you know, having a woman in charge is... A lot better than a man because there's so much more understanding. They're more compassionate toward you, and they'll take care of you a little better. So Dixie always, you know, would help me, especially in my downtimes. You know, when I when I have my DUIs, uh, you know, she sat me down and said, "We got to get you help." And uh, she's the reason her and my wife Giovanna are the reasons I went to rehab uh, because you know she she spoke to me honestly and candidly. And she, you know, she wanted me to get help. She really cared about me and, you know, very seldom. Do you have a boss that actually cares about you emotionally? And Dixie did.
0: I'm glad you shared that. I hope that, uh, wrestling fans come around on her. Uh, Aaron wants to know, Kurt, do you have any good Bruce Pritchard stories?
1: (laughs) You know what? Uh, yes. Uh, He, um, When I first started, when I tried out, Bruce was there. And the second day in, he went up and spoke in front of the wrestlers that were at a Dory Funk Dojo camp. And he said, listen, you're going to either be a baby face or a heel. Mr. Angle, you're going to be the biggest heel in the business, in the history of the business. And I looked at him, I said, you're out of your mind. I'm an Olympic gold medalist because that's exactly why you're going to be, be the biggest heel in the business. Cause people don't like success. Fans don't want to hear how successful you are. And that's all you're going to talk about. And you're going to get on their nerves and you're going to end up being a heel. And you know what? Bruce was absolutely right. I didn't believe him. I didn't believe Vince when he told me, but, uh, you know, Bruce, uh, told the whole group you know about kurt angle and how i was going to be the biggest CEO in the business it made me feel kind of good but it made me feel kind of bad because i wanted to be a baby face to start out you know winning gold medal for your country you obviously you're a good guy you know and uh and they had me do the opposite and i totally didn't get why at the time but i understood in the future
0: Steven Watts says, does Kurt have any memories of the stories of the hair versus hair match and feud with edge and the hair piece he wore afterwards? I always loved that feud.
1: Well, edge, uh, you know, he, when he was shaving my head, he, he had the, the blades the wrong way and it was ripping my hair out. It wasn't cutting it and my hair was wet too. So I had to like give him the Iggy and say, turn the damn thing around. So it, it you know, it would shave the right way. But I loved the wig. I thought the wig was so damn stupid uh, that that it actually enhanced my character, made me look like a complete idiot, which is what they wanted, and it got me a lot of heat. You know, coming out the next week and saying, I just got my head shaved last week, and look at my hair. It actually grew to its natural state. It was actually longer than it was originally, and uh, I was wearing a headgear on top of it. It was just one of the funniest segments I did. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ANGLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code ANGLE to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true.
0: Uh, Adam Leeson says, Kurt, you had a short-lived feud with S.A. Rios. Any memories of him or some of the lesser feuds he had?
1: I don't remember a lot of S.A. I did have a feud with him, and I thought he was extremely talented in the ring. A great Lucha Libre wrestler. He's a, you know, I understand why the company hired him. He was very effective for the company, and he, he put the, you know, he had some great matches. He was He was a great technician, great wrestler.
0: Uh, here's one from, um, Eric. He says, you mentioned the agent who tore up your first WWE contract and offer. Did you ever talk to him later? Once you became a big star and made a lot of money and did he concede that avoiding WWE was a mistake?
1: He never conceded that. Um, but he asked me if I was happy and I told him I was, um, you know, he retired from, the uh, being an agent by the time I signed with WWE, so I, I did run into him, and he just asked if I was happy. I didn't rub it in his face or anything. I didn't want to tell him, hey, you're an idiot. I, you made a mistake. I should have signed with WWE in 1996. But I don't know how, how things would have been. My neck wasn't completely 100% healed uh, when WWE approached me. So I'm not sure if uh, going in in 1996 would have been the right decision. Even though I had neck issues later on, you know, years later, but to start out with a neck issue would have been very difficult.
0: Dawson field says besides Brock Lesnar, what past opponent could have been your biggest challenge in an amateur wrestling match?
1: Shelton Benjamin, without a doubt, that kid is extremely gifted. Uh, one of the best athletes I've ever been in the ring with, I've actually, uh, wrestled with him a little bit amateur. We didn't really go live. We drilled, uh, but, but he He was a late bloomer. This kid didn't start amateur wrestling until his junior year in high school. One state's both years, his junior and senior year, went to Minnesota, became a two-time All-American in college with just a few years' experience. The kid, if he would have continued on, I think he would have become an Olympian. He was starting to mature by the time his senior year in college came around. So I think his best years were ahead of him. But he skipped that and went straight to the WWE. It worked out. It worked out. Yes.
0: Uh, the WU channel says: Name your five dream opponents, past or present, you would love to face at a WrestleMania.
1: Okay, let me see. This this is a little weird. Um, in the past, I would say uh, uh, Bret Hart. Oh yeah, Owen Hart. Okay. I would have loved to wrestle Andre the Giant. Really? Yes, yes. I know there wouldn't have been much offense with, for my aspect, for my part, but I know he would have been throwing me around like a rag doll, but it would have been a lot of fun to wrestle Andre. Oh yeah. Anybody would want to wrestle Andre. Why not? He's seven foot tall, 500 pounds. He's a beast. Um, I would say Iron Sheik, just for the pure entertainment of it. <laughs> guy's freaking crazy. I, I absolutely love him. And you know what, uh, I, this, this is a hard one, but you're going to understand why I would say Bob Backlund because he was a former amateur wrestler, national champion. I think we would have had a really solid match.
0: No doubt, man, you and Bret Hart. That's something people are going to be talking about. Uh, that's,
1: that's the one I think about every day. I wish it would have occurred.
0: Uh, Dawson field says, can you talk about your moonsaults you've done off the top of steel cages? What, if anything, goes through your mind when you're making the long climb to the top?
1: All you can do is climb, pray, and jump. Uh, there's nothing else you can do. It's it's It happens so fast. The longer you wait up there, the more you doubt yourself. So if you notice, when I do them, I get up there, and I don't pause, and I don't think about it, or I don't even want the crowd to think I'm thinking about it because a lot of times, you know, when Shane got up there, he would do, you know, he would pause, take a deep breath, do the sign of the cross, you know, take another deep breath and then go. Cause he was, he wanted the fans to anticipate him going. But when you do that, you start to doubt yourself. So I just go up there, do the quick sign of the cross. And I jump real quick. I, I don't waste a lot of time. Cause I just want to get it over with. Cause I know I'm going to have to deal with the pain later.
0: I can't believe it, but I actually saw you do that here in Huntsville. It was one of the last. Um, events that I believe sting was a part of, and I forget who you wrestled, but it was a cage match and it was at Von Braun center. And for whatever reason, it had not been promoted very strongly locally. So it was not a capacity crowd, uh, not near it. And when you started to make the climb, I was lucky enough to have ringside seats and I could see just how high you were going and thinking, I can't believe he's going to do this, but you did, uh, all of the impact on that. Is it all knees? Is it hips? Is it ankles? W- where does the brunt of the blow land?
1: It's a little bit of everything, but your your knees and your toes are going to get it the most. You know, your toes jam into the mat, your knees bounce off the mat. Um, it it can be um, you know detrimental to your knees. I actually i did it uh, i did it one time, and I had to have knee surgery afterward. Oh. It was just a meniscus tear, but It did injure my knee. And, uh, you know, so I haven't been a hundred percent clean with all my moonsaults. I've, I've suffered dearly from some of them.
0: Slick Willie wants to know, did Kurt and Steiner have any kind of kinship being amateur wrestlers? And also please tell us a funny Scott Steiner story.
1: I don't have any funny Scott Steiner stories, even though he was, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, we, we had an understanding. We were both amateur wrestlers. We both had a lot of respect for each other. You know, Scott has this personality where he likes to mess with the talent. You know, he, he likes to rib the talent and, you know, play jokes on them. And, you know, not, nothing too mean, just funny stuff. And he never did that with me because he had a, a complete respect for me. So he wouldn't mess with me much uh, with that aspect. But I really respected Scott. I, had, I respected his amateur wrestling career, his pro wrestling career. And just the person he was, he was an amazing person.
0: Richie Columbo says, what's your all-time favorite move? No movie, movie, not move, (laughs) movie.
1: Either Rocky or warrior and warrior, because it was an excellent story. Not because I was in it, even though I was, I was (laughs) Coba, but, um, warrior and Rocky. I love their stories. They're so inspirational. I love movies like that, where they show real sport. And they show people overcoming adversity. That's my type of movie.
0: I got to go see warrior now.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> George- Tom Hardy and Joe Edgerton were incredible in it. And Nick Nolte. He was awesome.
0: Uh, Jordy P says, is there anyone from the NXT roster that Kurt wishes he could have had a match with?
1: Oh, uh, I would say right now, Velveteen dream. I, I love the kid. I'm crazy about him it's extremely talented. I love his new character. I think it's raising eyebrows. I think he's uh, got a lot of interest in him and, uh, the fans seem to take to him pretty well. So I, I love his talent. I think he's uh, exceptional.
0: Rory wants to know how involved were you in the team angle concept? Were there any other wrestlers you would have liked to have had join your stable?
1: We didn't have any other wrestlers planned. Uh, the team angle concept was to help me become champion. Uh, I would utilize these, you know, my my goons, I guess you would call them my teammates, uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, and throw him, throw them in front of Brock to keep Brock away from me. That was the whole idea at the beginning. But it caught on and it became very popular and we stuck with it for a while. Not long enough. We should have had a... should have that team angle for 10 years we we only had it for like six months uh because i got injured and then i came back from injury and vince McMahon wanted me to wrestle shelton and charlie and go for the world title on my own but i absolutely love team angle and we didn't have any um um we weren't looking for any other talent to be added to it the only time i considered it again was in 2017 when i came back and I wanted to get Jason Jordan, Chad Gable in the, in the team angle.
0: Well, here's one, uh, and this is a fun name. Jim Bob Squarepants wants to know how fun was it, uh, to have yourself stone cold and Vince McMahon doing the cowboy hat kumbaya skits.
1: That was so much fun. It was the best time I had in my career. Uh, and, and you know what? I, 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 think, uh, the reason we started is because Steve and I got injured Yep view. and uh, I wrestled Shane at the King of the Ring, and he think he wrestled Booker T, and we both hurt our backs. So they didn't want two of the top guys in the company to be sitting at home. So Vince said, "We're gonna we're gonna entertain the fans the best way we can. We're gonna use Austin and Kurt. They have great chemistry. They're complete opposite characters, and uh, Vince McMahon's gonna be right in there with them. They're gonna make a little team, and they're gonna be a bunch of idiots." So. You know, it, it was so much fun doing that. And it was so hard not to laugh when we were doing the pre tapes. You know, but Vince, if you would have laughed, Vince would have gotten mad and he probably would have said, You're fired. So uh we we weren't gonna be able to um enjoy the pay per view till until the, the director said cut and then everybody would break out laughing. It was so much fun. Jay
0: wants to know who are some of your all time favorite tag team partners and why?
1: My favorite was Chris Benoit. Uh because he matched my intensity, he was uh same type of wrestler I was, a technician. I thought we met we had great chemistry as a team and, and as opponents, but I really enjoyed uh being tag team with Chris. I thought we could have done it a lot more.
0: Deuzatelli says your outer ring segments with The Rock and Stone Cold were legendary. I still smile every time I think of them. From all your time in the business, what were your favorite segments and who was the most enjoyable to work them with?
1: Well, I had some great segments with rock. I had some great segments with Austin. Uh The one in particular with Austin would have been the milk truck incident, which was incredible. The cowboy hats, you know, singing with the guitars. Uh, we had a lot of fun with rock. You know, we always do, do promos backstage pre-tapes where you know, Dwayne would put me down or insult me and I would insult him back. And, you know, and then there were times when we were both baby faces where, you know, we would talk about milk and I'd be talking about big jugs of milk and, you know, it goes great with pie rock and, you know, and and insinuating women's breasts. But uh, I wasn't really meaning that. I was just saying, I just want great big jugs of milk to drink. And, uh, put my hands out there. Rock was like, yeah, you go get that milk angle. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing those pre tapes. It was, was so much fun. We had a blast. Uh, Jake
0: wants to know when you were inducted into the hall of fame, you had John Cena induct you, what went into that decision? What was the conversation between you guys like, and do you still remain in touch these days?
1: We don't remain in touch that much, but, um, I respect the hell out of John, um, I did want him to induct me in the hall of fame. I didn't ask for him, uh, but Vince McMahon decided that he wanted John to induct me in the hall of fame. I I believe it's because I started off John's career with a wrestling match. And I think that Vince wanted uh, John to show his appreciation for that. And uh, I was elated because John is not only the most popular WWE superstar of all time, he's an incredible speaker. (laughs) He, he's really articulate and, you know, innovative with the speeches. And, uh, when you have someone talking about you and how good you are and how accomplished you are, it makes you feel really good, especially coming from a guy like John Cena.
0: Darnell Willison says we've seen plenty of amateur wrestlers transition to pro wrestling, but can you think of any pros that you worked with who you believe had the aptitude to wrestle amateur?
1: Well, I, you know, I would say Samoa Joe would have been great. Uh, AJ Styles, although AJ did wrestle in high school, he won a state title. I totally forgot about that, but he didn't continue on in college. But I think Daniel Bryan would have been a great wrestler. Um, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of guys that would have done really well. Uh, you know, they're usually the ones that are technical wrestlers and pro wrestling. Uh, they're usually the, you know, the guys that do a lot of the technical wrestling, so, uh, you know, we, if they, you can adapt to amateur wrestling, you just have to practice it quite a bit.
0: Amy Miller says, Kurt, what's your biggest regret in wrestling?
1: My biggest regret was breaking my neck. Um, that everything went downhill from there. My whole career, uh, my painkiller problem got worse. Uh, it actually started with my neck being broken in 2003, and um, I just wish it would have never happened. I would have had a nice, long, successful career, uh, drug-free, and uh, would have been elated about it. So uh, that that is my biggest and probably one and only regret.
0: Bluntbash says, what, if any, creative ideas have you turned down? Do any stand out?
1: I never turned down anything creative. I always said yes. I was always crazy enough to do it. So Uh, You know, they, they would tell me to cut a promo. I would do it. They tell me to do something in a match. I would do it. But I I, I've always been about making my father figure proud Vince. So I never said no to Vince. I mean, even uh, when I got traded the raw the one time and Batista got hurt and I had to go back to SmackDown. I was only on raw for a month. I was like, Vince, I just got here. (laughs) Like, You want to take me back to SmackDown? He said, we need you, man. We need you in the spot. And I said, okay, I'm a team player. I'll do it. So being a team player is probably the reason why.
0: Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. I know what you're thinking. This guy has another podcast. Listen, I get it. But let me explain years I've been asked, if you could have a podcast with anyone in wrestling today, who would it be? And I've been consistent that one of those names was Jeff Jarrett. Now hear me out here. Jeff Jarrett is a third generation promoter. He grew up in the Memphis territory, broke into business in 86, won the Intercontinental and walked out on Vince McMahon in 95. He jumped ship to start working with the Horsemen in 96 and then told the world what he really thought about Austin 316 in 98. He held up Vince McMahon for a ton of cash in 99 and jumped ship again to become world champion in 2000. And then on the final night of the Monday night war, the only ever raw nitro simulcast, he was publicly fired by Vince McMahon in 2001. So without a job in wrestling. He decides to embrace his family heritage as a promoter and create jobs himself and started his own promotion in 02. And then a former WCW employee who was on his team committed fraud that nearly bankrupted both him and his father. So he found an angel investor of sorts who wound up being indicted on one of the largest financial schemes in American history. With both of those guys facing prison time, he met with a public relations firm in Nashville to figure out how to save face, only to find out the lady he was talking to had billionaire parents. And that's when things got really crazy. If Jeff Jarrett's life story were a movie script, nobody would believe it.
2: Conrad, welcome to my world. Hear my story like you've never heard it before, unfiltered and uncensored for the very first time. From Memphis to the WWF, WCW, TNA, and everywhere in between, nothing is off limits in my world. Subscribe today and don't miss My World with Jeff Jarrett Tuesdays on Westwood One. My world, my world, my, my world.
0: Keegan says If you could have faced Bret Hart at any point in your career, uh, which respective prime years would you have wanted to face the hitman if you had a time capsule? And in addition, if you had a stipulation added to the match, what would it have been?
1: I'd say 1995, Bret. I watched a film of him, and I think he was at his best in 1995 to 1996. Uh, I loved watching him work. I think the gimmick would have been an Iron Man match. I think that would have best suited us. No gimmicks, just 60 Minutes Wrestling, just like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart did. I believe that was in 1996. Yep. Yeah, so uh, that's the type of match I would have won with Brad. It would have been Exciting, uh, just very successful match.
0: Kenneth Smith says, do you still own all your ring gear throughout the years? Uh, if so, do you have a particular favorite? I always loved your WrestleMania 17 attire.
1: I love the WrestleMania 17 attire too, but I, I kind of messed up. I didn't mess up. I I gave most of my gear to charities and hall of fames. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was never, uh, a a keepsake kind of person. So uh, my wife is, so I got a lot of heat from her when she said, where's all your ring gear. And I said, I I gave it all away years ago. And she's like, why would you do that? You got to keep all that stuff. What about our kids? They're going to want to know who their dad was and how good he was back in the day. Why would you give away your gear? So she started buying it back on eBay. <laughs> so I'm buying gear like t-shirts and singlets and stuff. And she's just trying to get it all back. And we're just ordering whatever we can to try to buy it back. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, uh, like the, like, I, I don't have a lot of the t-shirts that WWE and TNA made of me. And, uh, so that, that's what we're buying back. We're not really buying the ring gear back. Cause I gave that away, but, uh, the shirts and merchandise is what we're buying.
0: Uncle J 89 says, what's the one match in WWE and TNA that you wish you could redo and why?
1: I never had a match that I wish I could have redone, but there was one night when Eddie Guerrero, and this was probably a month before he passed away, maybe two months. Eddie was having problems with his energy. He he was really run down. His skin was not tone he was white and uh he would walk backstage like this and and then when the you know when he'd go out to to the ring when his entrance he was eddie you know hey it's showtime you know but when he was backstage he was having a lot of issues with energy and I th- i think it was his heart just not pumping at the proper pace and one night it was in texas i can't remember what city i had a match with him it was a lumberjack match and eddie just broke down and at one point he was so 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 unhealthy i don't even want to say tired just unhealthy he grabbed the rope and he wouldn't let it go and i was trying to shoot him off i'm like eddie we gotta go And he's like no 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 and i was like oh my god he's cracking and i didn't know that he had the heart problems so uh, that's one match I would have definitely liked to take back. And it's just because Eddie was in no condition to wrestle at that time, but nobody knew about his heart problem. I mean, it, that came out of nowhere the day he passed away. So, you know, it was, it, thank God the match was taped. It was SmackDown match and it was pre-taped. So we were able to clean it up before we aired it on, on, uh, on uh, UPN, I believe it was. But um, it was it was a very a night that I regret that I wish I could take back because you know Eddie was always uh, uh, the greatest in ring performer one of the greatest I've ever been in the ring with and that wasn't Eddie Guerrero that night.
0: Jason Bayless says there's a longstanding rumor that at Survivor Series 2001 Kurt and Steve's roles in the finish were supposed to be the opposite, Vince wanted Austin to remain heel but Steve insisted on going back babyface after the pay per view. Is there any truth to this?
1: I have no idea, but uh you know, I was the mo in the company <laughs> that uh, uh basically um turned on WCW and uh you know, sided with WWE at the last second. Uh I'm not sure uh if Austin was supposed to do that or or if I was, but um you know, I think Vince did like Steve as a heel. I don't think v- v- Steve felt comfortable as a heel. Cause he was so over as a baby face that it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, even as a heel, he was still getting cheered, right? It's really hard to keep him in heel. And I don't blame him for wanting to turn back baby.
0: Uh, here's one that we haven't talked about before. It's about, uh, the UK Francis says, how much fun did Kurt have on his UK speaking tour and what did he learn the most about it?
1: Well, I, I learned how incredibly passionate. The fans in the UK are, that was, you know, that that was a huge wake up call. Uh, they're some of the most exciting fans in the world for pro wrestling. They, they absolutely love it. And, uh, I got nothing but great feedback from them and doing that with them and communicating with them was a big plus for me. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, being able to speak to them and tell them my advice on stuff and, what I did my career, the mistakes I made and uh, the accomplishments that I accomplished. It was a lot of fun to do that. It it was a very grueling tour because we traveled every day by car to different cities. And we would do, um, I guess, uh, the uh, stadiums of the soccer players and, uh, they would have a room backstage and they would be able to fill like three, 400 seats in there and we would have it there. So, uh, it was a really grueling tour, but I really enjoyed it and I got to bring my wife.
0: <laughs> That's always fun. Uh, Chris wants to know what's your favorite world championship belt. Uh, I think he means, you know, from Japan, T and WWE, all the stuff you won. Did you have a favorite belt? Just the design of it, the look of it.
1: Uh, I, I actually liked the WWE championship probably because it was my first title. And, yeah. uh, I do like the look of it. Uh, the look, you know, it's, it's a little different than the other titles, but uh, I, I actually like that style.
0: Dave Pearson says, huge fan, really digging the podcast. What type of opponent did you prefer to work with? A technician like Benoit or Eddie, a brawler like Austin or Taker, or a showman like The Rock and Shawn Michaels?
1: I would take all of them. I, I, I love being versatile and being able to wrestle anybody. And uh, it was a big challenge for me. So, uh, I enjoyed all of them, but in reality, what I would truly like is the technicians. Uh, that's my favorite style of wrestling. That's always what I've done. Even in amateur wrestling, my technique was sharp. And, uh, I just, I, I enjoy doing that type of wrestling.
0: WrestleManiac says, what does Kirk consider to be his best match in TNA?
1: My best match in TNA is probably my match with Samoa Joe at lockdown um, or or the cage match I, I believe we had I can't remember when that was but uh, Samoa Joe and I had great chemistry and uh, I really enjoyed working with him he was very light on his feet and he he moved extremely well um, he just had great assets to him He he he's an incredible talent especially for his size you know he just he's a big dude and scary looking he's very uh you know um i guess uh imposing but uh what a nice guy and a great wrestler in the ring
0: wrestlemaniac wants to know what did kurt think of paul Heyman as the executive director of raw compared to the others who've been in that role
1: i love paul Heyman. i think that anytime you have him in the business it's always a good move i think he came up with great ideas and concepts Uh, I wasn't against it. I I think that Paul Heyman, what he was able to do for ECW proved that he deserved that type of job. And I think he did really well with it.
0: What if you could pay off all your credit card debt, a home equity line of credit and knock eight years off of your loan. It sounds too good to be true, but save with Conrad can do it for you. Seriously. That's an actual story from someone who listens to this podcast, just like you. If you have a home equity line of credit, if you're in a 30 year loan or you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much just ask Selby in North Carolina. We hooked them up. They left us a five-star review and had this to say, Jimmy and Jennifer were great to work with. We knocked eight years off our mortgage and paid off our home equity loan and credit cards would recommend them to everyone. And right now we can help more families than ever before. We're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Seriously, the worst case scenario is you spend 10 minutes and we give you the peace of mind that you've got the best deal for your family. That's what my family wants to do for you right now over at SaveWithConrad.com. But what if we could knock eight years off your loan? Think about that. You know to the penny what your house payment is. Now multiply it by 12 payments a year. Times eight years, that's our gargantuan sum of money. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. That's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how you can do it right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Let's do Danny's question here. When you were the GM of SmackDown in 04, and you had a storyline broken leg. Did, how did you travel without fans seeing you without the cast?
1: I had to put a knee brace on and, uh, walk around with crutches. I didn't have a wheelchair. I had to go through the airports. I had to take my knee brace off through security, uh, put the crutches on the, the belt. And, uh, it was just uh, a pain in the ass, but I had to do it. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't break KFA, but I had to, I had to do it as uh, for the uh, enduring time that I was GM.
0: Uh, Daniel Jefferson says, does Kurt have any good stories about working on the film warrior? How hard was it to film MMA style fights?
1: It wasn't that hard. It was just that we, we, we did quite a bit of it. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, filming, uh, the fights with the stunt doubles and the fighters, uh, the The actors that were uh, l- the lead roles, uh, so you know there was there was a lot that goes in with that into that. But um, I really enjoyed it. I I Gavin O'Connor is one of the most gifted directors I've ever worked with. I, I really enjoy being with him. But he he was very thorough. He he wanted he wanted things the way he wanted them. And if he didn't see it, we had to keep doing it over and over again until we got it right. And I respect that. I think he made the great, uh, the best call doing that, but it it was a lot of fun to do. It was just a lot of work.
0: Jeremy Israel says, what do you think Gable Stevenson's upside is if he decides to pursue a career as a pro wrestler?
1: I think he's going to be a big star. Look at, look at his look. If he adapts the pro wrestling and picks it up like Brock Lesnar, he's going to be exactly like Brock Lesnar. So I think, um, He needs to take the chance, whether he goes to MMA or or WWE, one or the other, but he's got to do one of them. I think that he is a future star, regardless what he does. He's got a great look to him. Great athlete.
0: Sade says, how do you feel about Apollo Crews using the angle slam or when Randy Orton briefly used it many years ago?
1: I, uh, (laughs) I got heat from Randy for tweeting out one time. Uh, that uh, he stole my finish and I told him I was just kidding and uh but he he was pretty pissed off but um I was just kidding i I you know I, I you know anybody that wants to come up with a move or wants to do somebody's move as long as you're not in that company you might as well use it so uh if Apollo wants to use it, I'm retired so might as well remind people of something that I did in the past and you know, it'll make my legacy carry on to some extent. So I'm glad Apollo's using it.
0: Billy Freeman says, where do you keep your gold medal these days?
1: Well, I had an incident with my kids where they threw the medal into the wall and the gold medal, the piece, part of it got dented. So I keep it in my safe. (laughs) Uh, No more kid time with the medal. Um, I used to take it with me on appearances and show people and, uh, but it, the, the gold started wearing off. Believe it or not, a gold medal is not really gold. It's <laughs> silver. <laughs> uh, yes, it's gold-plated silver. They're too cheap to make it solid gold. So I just want to throw that in there. But um, so, you know, I have to get it redipped in gold and um, keep it in the safe till I do it.
0: How often do people try to buy your gold medal? That feels like that would, that collectors would come out of the woodwork for something like that.
1: I never had an offer for someone to buy it. I'm actually surprised to be honest with you. Well, I'll text you later.
0: Uh, here's a question from Christian. He says uh, during your rap battle with John Cena, how appreciative were you of Brian Hebner's beatboxing skills?
1: Oh, Brian was awesome. (laughs) He actually made that even better. I mean, you you know, just telling him he reminds me of the police academy guy. And you know, uh, who the, the African-American guy that do the beatbox in police academy. And, uh, it was a lot of fun doing the promo, but Brian actually made that thing extra special.
0: A couple questions here about Memphis. Uh, I know you don't probably remember a ton about Memphis, but let's take a stab at it. The man of the nineties says, what are Kurt's memories of working with legendary Memphis wrestling announcer, Dave Brown in Power Pro Wrestling,
1: Dave was a legend. He, you know, he's a big name down there, and uh, I think he interviewed me once. Um, you know, I, I actually enjoyed him. He, he was a great, great commentary commentator. He was really good at his job. He, he deserved it. And he was. He, he's a legend down there. He absolutely is. One more about
0: Memphis. Does Kurt remember working with Sensational Steve Bradley in Memphis? I thought he could have been the WWF's answer to a Rob Van Dam type, but for whatever reason, it never worked out.
1: Steve is the reason I became so good so fast. Really? When I tried out for WWE, he was there at the camp and they, they glued me to his hip for six months. That's all I did was train with Steve and work with Steve. He taught me everything and I knew he was going to make it big. I knew he was going to be the next Rob Van Dam uh, maybe even a l- little more, um, I guess, versatile than Rob uh, as far as his promo skills and everything. Rob was good too. Don't get me wrong. Rob was exceptional. But Steve was very, very talented. And uh, I'm surprised he didn't make it. But what happened, I think, was he went to OVW and um, they were thinking about putting him in on TV. They came up with a character that was a college student. They wanted him to be because he was so young. So they wanted him to be like a dumbass college student. That's what they were going to start with him. And then they asked him to go to Puerto Rico for a while, I guess for a favor for somebody down there. And they forgot about him for a few years. And then uh, I think Bruce brought him back to OVW and things just fizzled out. And I'm just surprised and shocked that Steve Bradley didn't make it big. He was the reason I made it in the company. And I think that his talents would, uh, people would absolutely love them. He passed away, I think, 14 or 15 years ago, and uh, it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I think he passed away in 08, but even when you went in the Hall of Fame, I think on stage you called him an unsung hero in your career, right?
1: Yes, yes, and he was. He, I, I had to thank him, especially him being up in heaven with the good Lord. I, I'm very grateful for what he did for me.
0: That's a good story, man. I'm glad we got to do that one. Frank wants to know with hindsight being 2020, given the fact that the 96 Olympics took place in WCW's backyard, do you find it strange? You never got an offer from them or did someone from WCW reach out? And maybe I'm just misremembering.
1: No, somebody did, uh, approach me. I I'm not sure who it was. Somebody called me and told me that, um, they were interested and that they heard I was interested in WWE because I just met with WWE uh, that week. This was the same week. This is right after the Olympics when Vince offered me that multi-million dollar deal. And uh, somebody called me, and they said, "Hey, if you if you want advice, call Ric Flair." So I called Ric Flair. And they gave me his number, and I'm like, "Rick, how you doing?" It's Kurt Angle. He's like, "Oh my God, Kurt Angle! I watched you in the Olympics. I really appreciate your wrestling. My son's a wrestler. We started talking about wrestling and." And uh, I said, w- would it be smart to go to WCW? He said, hell no. <laughs> he said, no way. They're not going to use you right. You go to WWE, Vince will take care of you. Don't come to WCW. They're going to bury you. And <laughs> Rick was working for WCW at the time. So I thought, you know, he either doesn't want me to take his spot or he's being honest. And I think he was being honest. I think he I was. was being honest, yeah.
0: Uh, Jeremy slizzard says double a recently told the story about where you wrestled Cena. He said, Cena went out in the crowd and used a foam finger to flip you off. And you beat the Holy hell out of Cena for it. Do you remember this match? Was this all planned or were you trying to teach John a lesson that night?
1: Uh, you know what? I didn't agree with what he did. And, uh, I wanted to send a little message to him and I just worked a little more snug. Uh, you know, I, I wanted him to know that, uh, You know, when you go off and do stuff like that, you know, we have a time frame and I have the match mapped out in my head because John had less experience. I was calling the match and it's not what I wanted to do at that particular time because John was uh, hovering between baby and face at the time. And I was, too. And I I didn't want, you know, the crowd to be rocked either way. I wanted to be a, a half baby, half face for both of us. And John, you know, wanted to turn baby face and give me, flip me off with a big finger. And uh so I sent him a message that night that you don't do that. Uh, You know, we, we gotta, you know, if you're going to do it, tell me first, don't just go and do it. And he didn't tell me first, but other than that, you know, I didn't have a problem with John. John was great to work with. He was uh exceptional athlete, uh, had a great personality. uh, he had a great, uh, uh, you know, I guess work ethic. He was just, he was willing to work hard to make it, and he did.
2: Have you finally made the decision? You know, that one decision that you've been on the fence about. Do I become a member of ad free shows? Do I take the plunge and become part of the coolest, most badass wrestling community out there? My friends, the answer is yes. Yes, yes. And what cool hook do I have to tell you about this week, you ask? Well, if you were living under a rock, then you need to know that Conrad's team just got bigger. Another WWE Hall of Famer is now part of the family. Who, you might ask? Well, that's je double t That's right. Jeff Jarrett is in the fold And his new weekly podcast makes its debut worldwide on Tuesday, May 4th, My World with Jeff Jarrett. But maybe you're like me and you have no patience and want to hear it early and ad-free. Well, then Ad-Free Shows is the place for you. Jeff and Conrad already hosted a one-hour interactive event for all members of Ad-Free Shows, no matter their membership level. And the best part? Jeff announced he will be back for more virtual events and Q&A sessions going forward. So don't be a slap nuts. Go to adfreeshows.com and sign up today and join the wrestling movement that is lighting the world on fire. Again, that's adfreeshows.com.
0: Another one from Jeremy here. During your pursuit of Olympic gold, what did your weekly training regiment consist of?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, I would train nine to 10 hours a day. I, I, it was really difficult because I got into this thing. It was called exhaust training and that's when you train till you're exhausted and that's when the training begins. So you, you train till you can't stand up anymore and then you start training again. And, uh, it worked extremely well. My conditioning went through the roof. I, I was never got tired I would wear my opponents down. It was the only way I was going to win the Olympic gold medal because I wasn't the best. I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the most technical. But what I did have is I had lungs and I could, I had endurance. And if I could keep the match close long enough, I would wear my opponents down and get them tired. And that's, that's when it really kicked in. And that's when I would win the matches. So I trained myself to do that. And uh, you know, in the mornings, I would I would train for about two hours. I would run on run seven miles. I would do twenty two hundred yard hill sprints. I would go back and do sprint and uh, jog on the airdyne for thirty minutes, and then I would do a half hour sauna. In the afternoon, I would I would um, go over technique wrestling. I would wrestle live for an hour and a half, two hours, and then I would do conditioning again. And at night, I would do my plyometrics, my isometrics my heavyweight weight training and more conditioning. So I was doing nine to 10 hours a day, every single day of the week. I took one day off a month and that was it.
0: It's no wonder you broke your freaking neck in hindsight, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yes. It's ironic. <laughs> uh,
0: Avenue NWO for life says, if you could go back and visit 1999 Kurt angle, what one piece of advice would you give him?
1: I would say, um, I guess that's a tough question. It is tough, man. I would say watch out for, you know, painkillers, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, be, be careful what you do and what you put in your body. I, you know, I struggled with that for years and it was, it was a pain in the ass. And, you know, I, I just, I, I hurt a lot of people and did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And, uh, you know, you, you, you regret that and you wish you could go back and tell your former self that. And that's the one thing I would say.
0: Somewhere you're watching the background saying, don't give away your shit. That's what it should have been. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Liam wants to know, uh, what are Kurt's memories of the plane ride from hell?
1: Oh God. It was the longest night of my life. Uh, you know, the thing was I was on the plane and, Vince had a few wines in him, a few glasses of wine, and he was feeling frisky, and he thought, hey, why not? If I'm going to wrestle someone that's the best, might as well wrestle an Olympic gold medalist. I'm going to try him out. You have to understand, Vince is the type of guy that would say to Mike Tyson, hey, knock me out. Go ahead, hit me in the face. I want to feel what it's like. He wants to feel what it's like to be with the best person. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get it, you know. But Vince is crazy, uh, so he was, you know, jumping on me, and or or he would have somebody come get me and say they wanted to talk to me in the back of the plane. I'd get up, and he'd jump me from behind, and we would wrestle. We did it for five hours, like you know, wrestling a few minutes. I'd hold him down. I say, "Are you good?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're good." And I go back and lay down, and he would jump on me again, or you know, he would have someone call me up and go to the back of the plane. And he'd jump on me again. So it went for five hours and it just became very irritating. And, uh, you know, when we were getting ready, the, the crazy thing is we were on the plane and the, there was wine stains all over the floor, the floor <laughs> was white carpet. And there was just wine stains everywhere. And Vince and I are wrestling near the door, the latch, you open the latch and push it open. The door is open. You fly out of the plane we kept hitting the latch while we were wrestling. So the flight attendant came and said, Hey, the, the pilot said, if you don't guy, if you don't sit down and stop, he's going to land this plane right now. And Vince says, go, go tell the pilot to fuck himself. I'll buy the fucking plane. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So here we are wrestling on the plane and we're getting ready to land. And they finally get Vince to calm down. And we're getting ready to hit the ground and Jericho's sitting in front of me. He looks back at me and says, Hey, look, who's coming up the aisle. And while we're hitting the ground landing, Vince is the army crawling up the aisle to jump on me again. I'm like, Holy shit. This is the night that will never end. It was a freaking nightmare.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, ed dead by Dawn says, what's your favorite Austin match?
1: My match with him at, uh, was uh, SummerSlam, was my favorite match, 2001. I really enjoyed the match. I just kind of disappointed that It was a DQ, I believe. And uh, I would rather have rathered have a win on that match. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't going to happen. They they had plans for Steve to continue with the title. Uh, but but we were able to change that. Uh, when 9-11 occurred, um, I went to Vince and I told him that you know, since I'm doing a program with Austin, the next pay-per-view, maybe we should put the title on me. I'm the Olympic gold medalist, you know, the American hero. It would be great for the country. The people would be inspired. He said, you need to talk to Steve. That's all he said. So I called Steve and Steve said, I'm good. Let's do it. And little did I know it was only going to be for a week. I only held the title for a week, but it was good enough for me. It was a great moment that night. And I think I inspired a lot of people. Uh, coming out of nine 11, that was the whole idea.
0: Here's one that we haven't talked about before. Luke from Eastern Iowa says, do you have any stories about the legendary Dan Gable or Iowa's legendary wrestling program?
1: Yes. Do you know how hard I trained? I just explained everything to you. Yes. Okay. Gable does it five times worse. I did a camp with him, a world championship camp, the 1995 Worlds. I was on the world team. That's when I won my first world championship. We went to Iowa to train and we were there for three weeks. It was the worst three weeks of my life because he, he trains you into the ground to where you are just completely spent, just uh, exhausted. And uh, the training doesn't stop. He, you know, our day off, we were supposed to have a day off. He said, Hey, I decided we're going to wrestle one match today. Now uh, a regular college match is three minutes, two minutes, two minutes. So I thought, okay, we're going to warm up. We're going to wrestle a seven minute match. Shouldn't be that hard. It'll be tiring because, you know, we're going to go full tilt for seven minutes, but as we start the match, I noticed after 20 minutes, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, say the uh, three minutes is up yet. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? Why, why, why aren't we uh, breaking to round two? And they said, um, well, just keep wrestling. So we did. We went 30 minutes. And then someone said, hey, Gable, I thought we were going one match today. Three minutes, two minutes, two minutes. He said, no, we're doing 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> so our day off, we wrestled 50 minutes live. And not only that, we had to do an hour and a half of conditioning. And, and the warm-up alone was 45 minutes. And that was a conditioning uh, segment, too. But it was, we trained, gosh, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. It was, it was extremely difficult. And I understand why those Iowa kids are always ready to compete They're, they're always, you know, a lot of them can be overtrained a little bit. And that's probably why they don't do as well at the nationals if they don't. But for the most part, you get a kid at Iowa that wants to go to Iowa. There's a reason he wants to go. He wants to be trained by Gable. You know, the Brand's brothers were a great example. They loved training like that. They were animals and they that's what they wanted and they they proved that. They won Olympic golds and world championships and NCAA titles. So, you know, if you're a, an Iowa kid, you like the way they, Dan Gable trains you cuz it's 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 almost impossible.
0: Matt Benson says, "Before settling on the ankle lock, was there any other submission hold you were thinking of using?" And why don't you uh, stick with the chicken wing?
1: (laughs) Well, I I didn't think the chicken wing was that legitimate of a move. Um, I I wanted to do something that uh, an MMA guy was doing. And, uh, you know, Ken Shamrock started the ankle lock, and I thought it was a great idea. And, you know, Ken ran with it and did really well. So when he left, I decided to take it up for myself. And uh, you know, Ken gave me his blessing, and I continued to use it. And I absolutely loved it. I I was able able to come with different submission trade offs from one submission to another with Benoit and with Undertaker and with uh, different opponents: AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, I actually didn't wrestle Daniel Bryan. I'm just thinking of his submission move. But um, it was. It was a lot of fun. And uh I just uh I thought that, you know, having the ankle lock would legitimize me more as a as a combat wrestler and technician. Submission specialist. Uh here's one
0: from Alan Jackson. Uh, we love his music. He says, Has Kurt seen any good fights backstage he wasn't involved in? Has he ever seen anyone get into it with either Vince or Bruce? No,
1: I never saw anyone get into it with Vince or Bruce, but um uh, no, no fights backstage. I never saw a fight. I was involved in a fight with Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Eddie and I were like brothers. We we played like brothers and we fought like brothers. And, uh, there was a night where, uh, this is where, you know, before, right before Eddie passed away. So he wasn't feeling very good physically. And a couple of my guys on my, um, uh, from the, um, the what he called society what's it called the honor society i think i had the faction i had with luther reigns and
0: oh the straight edge no
1: that was that was before it was called the something society i forget the name sucked but um but they they laid into eddie a little bit too hard when they got heat on him at the end of a match in the ring i didn't touch eddie so when we got backstage eddie was pissed And he was going crazy. He's like, you were freaking hurt me. You tried to hurt me. You were stiffing me in the ring. And I'm like, Eddie, I didn't do anything. I didn't touch you. He's like, yes, you did. And you're you're goonies too. And he started going crazy. And he got my face. And he's yelling. And he's spitting. And so I pushed him. And (laughs) and when I did that, he tried to double leg me. (laughs) And I got him in a front face lock and started choking him out. And Big Show broke it up. And the crazy thing is later on that night, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield, who likes to stir the pot, goes to Eddie and says, Why would you double leg an Olympic gold medalist? And Eddie says, Because I'm freaking stupid. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the only fight I was involved in. It's the only fight that uh, I did see firsthand. And it was my own fight with Eddie.
0: <laughs> Timmy Scaly wants to know what's Kurt's honest opinion of milk?
1: Oh, I love it. It's wholesome and nutritious. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I, I prefer skim milk because it has less fat in it, but I do like whole milk as well. Even 2%. I like all kinds of milk. I even like 1%. If they had a 10%, I would like that too. I, like, <laughs> I absolutely adore milk. I, milk is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> oh, if they had 10%,
0: I'd like that too. That's the line of the day. Uh two more then we'll wrap this one up. Uh Gilly says Kurt, one of my absolute favorite pops was yours at Innova- Invasion Pay-Per-View in 2001. You were slowly turning face having been a heel for 18 months solid, but that night the crowd was absolutely crazy for you. Do you remember it and how did you feel to get such a
1: reaction? Oh, it was awesome. I never thought it was going to occur. I just thought that I was going to be a heel my whole career because It was working so well. And I knew eventually I would get stale as a heel and the term was perfect. And I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a great moment for me and one of the best moments of my career.
0: Last one. This is from Bobby coffee. He says of all the highlight reel moonsaults in your career, which one was your personal favorite, even though it looks like a rough landing, the one against Mr. Anderson was mine just for the awesome aerial camera shot of your leap from the top of the cage.
1: Well, I would have to agree with you. And the reason is because very seldom did I ever hit the moonsault. I usually missed it. And that night I hit Anderson with the moonsault. I landed on his face, uh, which I misdiagnosed as midsection. But, um, it, you know, the, the aerial shot of that was fantastic. It actually, it was probably 10 feet in the air, but it made it look like the aerial shot made it look like 20 feet. It, it really was uh deceptive. And, uh, so I understand why that was his favorite moonsault because the aerial photo, the aerial video, that photo was exceptional. It was awesome.
0: Well, what else is awesome is physicallyfit.com. If you haven't already cruise over there, click where to buy and scroll down and you'll see all the stores near you that carry chicken snacks. Uh, it's my favorite here at the office, but it turns out they've also got plant protein as well. Uh, believe it or not, there's three places that are within driving distance. One that's just 2.3 miles from my house here. And if you click on order now online, you can get it shipped straight to you. Not just chicken snacks, but Snack Smart, which is plant protein and a ton of different flavors. I think Mrs. Engel really likes the uh, brown sugar or the cinnamon swirl. Uh, my family seems to really, really dig the buffalo wing, it's a favorite at the office. I know Kurt's uh, fond of the kung pao. I rock the sriracha. There's something for everybody, and there's even a way to save money when you go to physicallyfit.com, right, Kurt?
1: Yes, if you go to physicallyfit.com and you type in AnglePod, the code for AnglePod, you will get 20% off of our products. And it doesn't matter how much you order. You can order as much as you want. Absolutely. 20%
0: off your entire order. Check it out. Tons of different flavors. It's a healthy snack. It's something that Kurt Angle really believes in. It's Kurt's company. The best way to promote the show physicallyfit.com and pick up your chicken snacks, by the way, it isn't retailers in your area. You can also pick it up in person and of course, amazon.com. But if you want to get 20% off and save yourself a couple bucks, then use angle pod over at PhysicallyFit.com. And speaking of a couple bucks, that's about what it costs to get your autograph, man. I can't believe you're doing this. People can send stuff to Pennsylvania and you'll autograph it. You even got autographed cowboy hats for sale, autographed milk cartons, Autograph photos, birthday cards, video requests, and it's all at Kurtanglebrand.com. Kurt, what's going on, man? You're like a a man of a thousand different hats over there. Uh,
1: I'm making it affordable for the fans to buy my merchandise. So I'm trying to keep it as cheap as possible. The photos are only $31. The birthday cards are 26. The milk cartons are a little more expensive. They're $50, but I will sign them, personalize them, do whatever you want, Uh, When you order, you can send a message to me what you want on the card or on the photo, and I will do that for you. So go to Kurtanglebrand.com to order your merchandise now.
0: You can even uh, grab a cameo, a pro wrestling t-shirt. Just check it out. It's Kurtanglebrand.com And don't forget to check out physicallyfit.com. You've got to try some chicken snacks and just Google it. Uh, Throw it in your Twitter machine because I'm telling you, Mine and your Twitter feed is blowing up with our listeners who are enjoying chicken snacks. They're checking it out. And I think it's almost like, okay, it's Kurt's thing. I'll check it out. But once they try the product, they're reordering left and right. Right, Kurt?
1: Yes. Everybody reorders. So uh, we always get repeat customers because the product is very good and it tastes really good. It's tremendous.
0: It's true. It's true. Kurt Angle has a snack for you. It's physicallyfit.com. Next week, we're going to be back talking about the ultimate submission match with Chris Benoit that's gonna be a fun show right Kurt
1: Oh it would be extremely fun that, that's that's my second favorite match with Chris Benoit I'm and excited it, to talk about it
0: and it's happening next week right here on the angle Pod we'll see you next week it's the Kurt Angle show with your Olympic hero Kurt Angle
1: take care guys
0: hey man you want an extra 60 grand we hooked Christopher up in Big Stone Gap Virginia. He left us a five-star review for SaveWithConrad.com and had this to say, I listened to every podcast Conrad and his team put out. I've heard the ad numerous times and decided to give it a try. What is there to lose? I did lose something nearly 60 K. I saved nearly $60,000 over the course of my loan. It was simple and a great experience. Thanks Conrad and a surprise staff member. Hmm. Who is that mystery man? $60,000. We made this fast and easy for Christopher, and it's easy to get a quick quote and see how much you can save for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We routinely help our podcast listeners save $60,000, $80,000. Let's start saving money right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, SaveWithConrad.com.
2: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Tylus and Callaway and on, and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.